0: Welcome to the Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kara Scrubis and Dr. Kurt Weiss. They share an interesting and inspirational medical story that they'll tell us about in a minute. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, locumstory.com. Maybe you're curious about locums and how it might fit into your career story, but do you know all the different reasons physicians choose locums and how it works for them? At locumstory.com, you can hear firsthand stories as diverse as physicians themselves. There's not one solution for everyone. The variety of opportunities might surprise you. Locum Story is an unbiased educational resource. It has tools that let you explore trends in your specialty and compare different Locum's agencies. There's even a simple quiz to see if Locum's is right for you. Do your own research at locumstory.com. It's easy. All right, and now to my guests. Welcome, Kara and Kurt.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. So Kara, I think, first of all, I want to thank you both for joining me. Uh, You have an important story to share. So let's start with
2: you, Kara. What happened? Yeah. So I was a dancer growing up. I started doing dance at the age of three, and then I went on to study pre-professional ballet. So the goal was always to ballet for the rest of my life no matter in what capacity um and i was actually a freshman at the university of buffalo i was a dance major and i started to feel a bunch of left knee pain um i went to a few doctors who gave me different misdiagnosis they thought it was a sprained knee they thought it was bursitis and a blood clot um and then finally three months later they saw a tumor on an x-ray Um, So in January of 2020, I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is a um, pediatric bone cancer. Um, From that moment, I did nine months of chemotherapy. I had a left above the knee amputation, and then I did eight months of immunotherapy. Um, Since then, I've been working on learning how to walk again, learning how to run again, Um, learning how to dance again and now I teach dance and I'm also I just graduated college and going into child life therapy in the hospital yeah
0: wow so that's my first response right and uh, yeah so a dancer with knee pain imagine that right So, uh, you know, I can kind of see why uh, osteosarcoma wasn't the the first diagnosis that came to mind uh, to the physicians that that saw you. And then, of course, well, the irony, right? Uh, Dancing is what you want to do. And it's one of your your legs. Right. So some kind of uh, sort of awful life circumstance, uh, which sounds like uh, you have uh, managed uh, quite well. Dr. Weiss what was your role in all of this
1: uh sure so i never uh Cara and i are friends um mm-hmm. uh my my role in her story is that i i hope i'm a mentor to her i hope i'm a friend okay. to her we're both involved in an organization called uh, mib agents which uh uh does patient advocacy and raises uh funds for research for osteosarcoma research i myself am also mm-hmm an osteosarcoma uh, survivor. Uh, I also had um, an amputation of of my right leg after several uh, failed attempts at limb salvage. Um, And uh, uh, so I look after these problems, uh, tumors in adults and children, including osteosarcoma. And I also have a, a musculoskeletal oncology laboratory which is a basic and translational science laboratory where I try to understand uh, the biology of these tumors a little bit better.
0: Well, I'll sort of give a second wow uh, to this. But were were you the surgeon who operated on CARA?
1: I did not look after CARA. I did not. Okay, so you
0: two came together kind of when?
1: Just... so so I was very fortunate to um, I mentioned that this uh, foundation, MIB Agents, um, which is fantastic, um, uh, supports research. And I had written a, a research proposal um, uh, which went through a couple different rounds of scrutiny with MIB agents. And um, Kara was among one of the people who, who selected my research to move forward with funding. And that itself is a is a really cool story because um, the way MIB agents does business is very unique. They have a junior advisory board, which which cares an officer in. She can tell you all about that. But um, the uh, patients and their families themselves help to make the decisions about where the research dollars go, and that is very unusual. Most of these foundations have scientific uh, advisory boards and they say, okay, scientific advisory board, do your thing and, and pick what you think is the best science. But um, the the patients and their families are also involved in that uh, decision-making, which is really terrific and quite special and quite unique.
0: Uh, just for some background, Carrie, uh, you mentioned that osteosarcoma is a, is a pediatric tumor
2: um, how common is it? Um, not very common. I would say, I don't know, Dr. Weiss, do you know this better than I do?
1: <laughs> uh, there, it's about, um, around one and a one and a half to, uh, per million, uh, diagnosis. There will be about 500 cases in the United States this year. Yeah. Um, so that, how lucky
0: that... is that? One in a million, you got a tumor that's uh one in a million. Is it, is it always an extremity like, is it always the legs or just any muscle? Is it,
1: is it, 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 um, uh, it the, that's a very good question. Um, the uh, first answer to your question is no, it's not always in the extremities. You can have more axial skeleton. So pelvis uh, and spine um, osteosarcomas uh, do happen. The most common locations are the distal or bottom end of the femur down by the knee joint or the top end of the tibia. Now it sounds like Kara's disease was in her distal femur. Mine was in the proximal tibia, which is the the highest part of the tibia that's up by your knee joint. And the third most common spot is around the shoulder in uh, the the humerus bone. So those are the big three, the, the thigh bone, the shin bone and the arm bone but osteosarcoma can and does arise in any bone of the skeleton.
0: Yeah, I think years ago we had a neighbor. Now, he was not pediatric, but he was a young man, I think in his 20s, perfectly healthy. And I believe he had osteosarcoma in the pelvis somewhere, and it was pretty nasty, and he died. So is this is the uh, treatment now... Um, Surgery, if it's amenable, and then chemotherapy and immunotherapy? Is that sort of the approach?
1: So, the way I describe the treatment of osteosarcoma is uh, that it's a surgery sandwich. The first, the bottom layer, uh, the bun, is chemotherapy, followed by surgery to remove the tumor, followed by more chemotherapy uh, postoperatively. That's the way it, it typically goes in uh, 2023. The problem is that's also the way it went in 1983, that, uh, we haven't had any demonstrable, uh, big, uh, advances in the, in the treatment of osteosarcoma for several decades. And, and, as a scientist, uh, that's, that's pretty lousy and pretty humbling.
0: Now, Kara did mention immunotherapy, and I assumed that was something new. Um, is that, is there something new or not yet? so oh. The,
2: oh,
0: yeah
1: sorry. you go there,
2: um so I did an immunotherapy Dr Ways can probably speak to this a little bit better um called mifomertide or um MEPACT um this was it was somewhat of a clinical trial it was not an FDA approved drug in the U.S. and I think they've since stopped making it or like in like processing it out um to the U.S. I did it more as like a preventative for preventing lung nodules. So there was no actual testing to see if that drug necessarily worked on me, but so far since ending treatment, I've been clean. So. Okay. So
0: it's not standard of care. Um, cause that, that threw me uh, a little bit. Uh, now is this the kind of treatment you've both had amputations, you've had the chemotherapy, are you done? Or is there this shadow that it might come back.
2: I mean, I think for anyone who's had any sort of cancer, it never really leaves your brain and you always feel like something's going to show up. Um, I I mean, Dr. Weiss can speak to this better than I can, but I think it's like after five years, you're technically cancer-free, but there have been like occurrences where people have relapsed after five years. Um, I was lucky enough to not have relapsed at all, but I know that um, a lot of my peers and friends have um, relapsed and gone from there. So how old were
0: you, Kara? When, um, when
2: I was diagnosed, I was 18. So I was considered on the like older end of it, although there have been cases where people have been diagnosed um, as an adult, but it's typically around the teenage years. So what how did the doctor tell you? How did you get the news? Um so I I think I did an x-ray at an orthopedist office um and he saw a tumor. So he told me initially that he saw a tumor and then I had to go in to get it tested to see if it was benign or osteosarcoma. Um, my mom actually worked as a social worker in orthopedics, so she was familiar with osteosarcoma, um, so she was kind of preparing herself for that, um, and then after a biopsy, we um, I spoke with my surgeon and talked more about osteosarcoma and started to understand that.
0: Do you remember how, what was your reaction to that news?
2: Um. I think I was really shocked, but also I was just kind of bummed. (laughs) I was bummed that I had to leave school and I was bummed that I had to stop dancing. Um, Part of me was relieved that like three months of this ongoing pain finally had an answer and that um, I could start getting to work on getting better. Um, But it was also a weird time. COVID was just starting. So there was a lot of things happening in the world (laughs)
0: Is there anything, uh, and you could speak to this too, Dr. Weiss, when you got the news, is there anything the doctor could have done better
1: w- to, to inform you? So um, my my surgeon, who is, uh, ended up being my partner in practice for about a decade, um, who uh, is like my family at this point, uh, he was pretty blunt. And uh, he said, well, kid, it looks like you have a textbook example of osteosarcoma. We're going to have to get a biopsy, just like like Kara just said. We're going to have to get a biopsy to make sure we're right. But if we are right, um, you know, you got a a 65% chance of being alive in five years if you're lucky and the cancer hasn't gone to your lungs and you're probably going to lose your leg. So that's pretty much how that went. Um, what could have been done differently or better look I I don't know um, if in that moment uh, my surgeon uh, could have or should have uh, done anything differently but but uh, Andrew I can tell you the way I deliver that news which is that um, i I tell the patient what's what's happening like Kara's doctor did and uh, what the diagnosis means and what's going to have to be be done. Um, But you kind of beg, borrow and steal uh, a little bit from all your teachers going through your medical training. And um, some of the things that I'll say is that, look, you're having a a terrible day. This might be your very worst day ever. I had a pretty bad day too. And it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fun, but you can get through this. And my my mom always said when when my doctor was telling me uh, uh, dropping this terrible news she just wanted to to see and touch and hear about one person that had survived it that's all she needed and so based on what my mom said that's what I try to give other people and um, from my fellowship director Pete Ferguson in uh, University of Toronto I have stolen. Um, this problem is both treatable and curable and you're going to forget most of what we talk about today those are the three words i need you to remember treatable and curable and from my present boss dr richard mcgow i take um this is what we do this is all we do we're going to help you and and i find that those sort of three messages uh are helpful
0: well, you know, I, I'm a neurologist in, in clinical practice, and I see uh, patients who have, in, primarily in the hospital, you know, pretty uh, devastating uh, problems, and uh, you know, I never really know what to say. I don't, I don't know these patients from before usually, and uh, so I I tend to probably uh, lean towards the blunt side. Because I agree with you, it is very patient, the retention. And of course, this has been studied that, you know, if you spend 30 minutes explaining something to a patient, you're telling them they've just had a severe stroke or they have dementia, you know, or some something that's tough to fix. They don't remember 99% of that. So I, I tend to just stick with the basics. And this is what happened. These are our options, you know, and we're going to try and help you. I think it is important to spell that out. Although, I mean, you know, it's like, what could be more obvious, right? Here's the doctor standing in front of you, but really needs to say, and I told the residents this just the other day, you know, I walk in the room, I tell the patient, we're going to do everything that we can to help you. You would think they would know that, right? It should be obvious, but somehow articulating it and just putting it right out there, I think is an important, it's good to hear. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Okay, so Cara, what you went through—you uh, summarized pretty, pretty nicely, almost like a medical report. All the what you uh, went through. Uh, what what helped you during all of that? I mean, you must have felt pretty miserable with the chemotherapy, and it's not really clear where this is going. You know, you're you're pretty young. You got a long life ahead of you, hopefully, right? Mm-hmm. What what supported you emotionally?
2: Um, I think like Dr. Weiss, um, said, I really just wanted to see someone that had survived it. Um, and you know, on the days that I felt like I wasn't going to survive it, I needed to know that there was hope out there. Um, my mom was looking online one day and found MIB agents, um, which is a osteosarcoma nonprofit. Um, and they have a great, worldwide connection of survivors and families and stories that they can share. They have a great program called Ambassador Agents that will um, pair someone in treatment to someone who has survived, Um, and they do a great job pairing. And I was paired with someone who was an above the knee amputee and a woman in college living on her own, and kind of just talking to her is what gave me hope on those hard days, knowing that, you know, she was out there living her life post cancer and doing well and that there are survivors of this. Um, And, you know, and really MIB as a whole gave me all that emotional support.
0: What about the dancing thing? There must've been some people that said, said Kara, you know, maybe you want to be an accountant or something, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a sign that dancing isn't for you. Did that happen?
2: Honestly, I think so. I think that, um, I think that both cancer took me away from dance, but it also made my connection with dance stronger. I I still dance on my free time and I still teach dance. And I think that um, finding new ways to dance and finding new ways to move my body has really made me appreciate the art form more, but also my time in the hospital and um, seeing all the children has made me, realize that i feel like i'm made for something so much bigger than just teaching dance um which is why i want to go into child life therapy um and give back to the hospital um and be in that hospital setting so i think it has strengthened that like love for dance for me but also has made me realize that you know i can do other things in life too
0: that's fantastic now help me here i'm in memphis uh, and there, there's a story, and, and I don't remember all the details, but about a year ago, there was a young woman, right, who works at St. Jude, which is just a few blocks from where I work, who had also had an amputation, right, of her leg, and now works at the hospital, I think, as a PA or nurse practitioner, but went up into space, And she was chosen by the St. Jude faculty, you know, as their representative. But I I don't remember if it was osteosarcoma, but I think it was it was something along those lines. Does this ring a bell?
1: Yeah, it does. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that lady did have an osteo. Um, There are sort of two major flavors of bone cancer in, in in Kara's age group. And one is osteosarcoma and one the other is Ewing sarcoma. And um, I'm but I'm pretty sure that the person you're talking about uh, had an osteosarcoma. It's a terrific story. I love it.
0: Right. Well, what made me think of it is is your desire to sort of help others because she she had her surgery at St. Jude, you know, and 15 years later, went back as a, uh, you know, as a caregiver, as a helper. So, and, uh, you know, she could say, well, look at me, here I am. You know, I got through this kind of uh, thing, which is a great part of the story. Uh, Dr. Weiss, tell us a little bit more about your, your practice now. How do patients even find you?
1: So, we're, um, <clears throat> I'm at a uh, University of Pittsburgh, uh, which the UPMC Hillman Cancer Center is a um, uh, designated NCI comprehensive care center. Um, so we're k- kind of a referral center for uh, bone and soft tissue sarcomas in in kids and adults. Um, you got to be at a, a pretty big place most of the time to do musculoskeletal oncology. Um, there are three of us, which is actually a, a pretty big number uh, for, for a place of our size. Um, one, of, one of my uh, favorite jokes with the residents is um, the, that I will point out that I'm one of the top 250 musculoskeletal oncologists on the continent of North America. And uh, the reason why that's funny is because there are only 250 musculoskeletal oncologists on the continent of North America. So it is uh, certainly the smallest um, subspecialty within orthopedics. Um, and, and so that's um, how, people help, how people find you typically is, okay, in this part of the world, the weird bone things go to Pittsburgh to Dr. Miguel, Dr. Lee, or Dr. Weiss, and that that's where it's got to go. So one of the cool things about my um, uh, my little world in musculoskeletal oncology is that pretty much everybody knows everybody, um, and uh, and and that's that's neat when we all uh, get together um, at, at at meetings and so forth. Uh, but also is helpful when for example, if I have a patient like Kara, who's going to be uh, going away to undergrad and needs follow up, I can say, oh, you're going to Arizona. I know who you got to see. Sure. Um, so, so that's a cool part of the job, too. Now, your training would have been
0: four years of medical school, one mm-hmm. year of general surgery, yeah. 17 years of orthopedics. So-, <laughs> so,
1: so what what happened after medical yeah. school? So, so I actually did. I, I did medical school in five years because I did a one year research gig in the pediatric oncology branch of the NCI, because I already kind of figured at that point that I wanted to do musculoskeletal oncology research. Um, and that was a, an amazing life, uh, life changing experience for me. And then uh, I did a six year uh, residency in orthopedics Um most of the time, it's just a five-year program, but I did another research year in orthopedics. Then I did a one-year fellowship in uh, musculoskeletal oncology at the University of Toronto, and um, you know, specializing in cancer, uh, uh, orthopedic cancer problems. And then I've, I've been at the University of Pittsburgh since then, which is cool because uh, I'm from here. Uh, I grew up about a 15-minute drive from where I'm sitting right now. So uh, it's, it's good to be home.
0: Oh, well, that's great. And of course, the University of Pittsburgh is uh, very highly uh, regarded. I know uh, they do a lot of EEGs there. <laughs> they have a big, big neuro uh, department. That's uh, um, what I'm uh, familiar with. Uh, I'd like to learn more about this uh, MIB uh, Agents. Uh, who? F- how did that get formed? Where did that come from?
2: Yeah, so um, our founder, Anne Graham, she was diagnosed with osteosarcoma in her 40s, um, which was pretty um on the later end of osteosarcoma diagnosis. Um and she was actually treated in pediatrics. So she was inspired by the kids around her um with cancer and you know, was really, I mean, I'm always so grateful for her um that she was diagnosed as an adult because none of this would have been possible without her that she was able to um Push towards making a nonprofit for osteosarcoma. And it really is like one of the only ones out there that does research, education, and advocacy for patients and families. Um, We have a lot of great programs that help patients. We have a lot of great programs that help researchers and doctors, and a lot of great programs that connect us both. So, being on the junior advisory board and a part of MIB agents, one of my favorite things is that I get to speak to the actual doctors and researchers that are working on osteosarcoma and tell them my experience and share my story so that they have a face to the disease if they haven't worked with it before, Um, but also that they're able to better understand how to make it better for the patients um, and families. Now, Carrie, so you're wanted... being
1: a little modest, right? <laughs> like you, you are a, an officer in the junior advisory board, are you not
2: um, I was the president last year. Um, now I am on the board normally, but I also um, recently have been employed with MIB, so I, I am their social media manager. Awesome. Ah,
0: social media. Great. Well, we're going to have a new video to circulate very shortly. Um, if if any of the uh, audience wanted to uh, contribute to MIB agents, how
2: would they do that? Yep. So it's just mivagents.org. We have so many programs that just the general public can contribute to if you're not um, able or willing to donate to us. We have an amazing program that I love called Warrior Warrior Agents, um, which is just writing mail to kids in treatment. Um, You get an emailed list once a month with the name and age and a picture of um, a bunch of children in treatment, and then you can write cards, you can send gifts, you can write a sticky note, whatever it is, send it to us at MIB Agents, and we send them a big package. Um, and it's great for the kids going through treatment; it helps keep them going, and it really like brings smiles to their faces.
0: Wow. Okay, uh, I think that's my third wow. So, I, I Doctor West, I want to learn a little bit more about um, what what's the angle of your research is is there a particular you know strategy you're working on
1: so I'm trying to understand you know is as rotten as Kara losing her leg and me losing my leg is um, that a primary tumor what we call where it starts that's what we call the primary tumor that primary tumor is not really the problem the problem is the thing that makes cancer cancer is that it doesn't want to stay put it wants to go to other places in the body and cause trouble for osteosarcoma most of the time that is the lungs so what my laboratory is is dedicated to is trying to figure out um, how osteosarcoma and other sarcomas go from the primary tumor in the p- top of the tibia or the bottom of the femur you know crawl out of the tumor into the bloodstream go through the bloodstream recognize you're in the lung crawl out of the bloodstream and start growing the whole time while chemotherapy is trying to kill you how does a cell do that and because if i can figure out any one of those stops along the way that i can r- interrupt that process well then we've made osteosarcoma a localized disease. I I don't see us, um, at least in the immediate future, being able to prevent osteosarcomas from happening. But if we can keep them from spreading, that's essentially the same as a cure. Okay. Exciting. All right. Uh, I
0: think we're out of time. So, but we do have time for uh, anything else you'd like to add. Kara, do you want to Say anything or Dr. Weiss?
2: Um, just a thank you for having us. Um, it's always a pleasure to be talking with Dr. Weiss too. Um, he is also a I hate to say the word inspiration, but um I know he means a lot to MIB and us osteo warriors just going through it that um, you know, you can go on and work in the medical field as a survivor. But thank you for having us.
0: Well, you're welcome. And uh, inspiration is a word that's already in the show notes. And Karen Kurt, I want to thank you both for joining me on the art of medicine. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close, I'd like to give another thanks to our sponsor, locumstory.com, a resource where providers can get real, unbiased answers about locum tenants. I'm Dr. Andrew Willner. See you next time. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on The Art of Medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests, and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The art of medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe. www.andrewwilner.com